0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Intelligent Transport podcast. My name is Halima Huck, I'm the Editorial Assistant of Intelligent Transport and your host for today. Joining me for this episode is Emily Moe, Executive Director of the Indigo Foundation and Lacey Everett chair of the Indigo Foundation Board of Directors. Today, we'll be taking the opportunity to discuss the importance of making public transport more affordable for people across Indianapolis. Emily and Lacey, thank you very much for joining me today. It's great to have you both here to discuss such a crucial topic for the industry, especially amidst the cost of living crisis. Thank you for having us.
1: Thank you, our pleasure.
0: Before we begin our conversation today, I think it would be particularly useful if you could both please tell our listeners a bit about the Indigo Foundation and its goal to support its community. Emily, maybe you could um, please begin by sharing your thoughts.
2: Sure. So the Indigo Foundation was founded in Indianapolis in 2018 as a nonprofit 501 uh, 501c3 organization, and we've been operating since 2020. I joined uh, in November of 2020 as the executive director. Um, Our origin story is very unique. We're the only legislatively mandated transit foundation in the country. Uh, We are here because the Indiana State House um, required uh, us to create a foundation to support transit projects in Indianapolis. But now that we're here, we're learning how to best enhance um, and support Indigo, um, the transit agency that we support. So, as far as we know, we're the only foundation in the country with dedicated staff like me working alongside and raising money to support a single transit agency, but if there's others out there, please let me know because I'd love to have some peers in this field. Um, The Indigo Foundation is driven by our mission to help the community thrive by connecting people through accessible, equitable, and inclusive mobility solutions. We do this by fundraising for programs that increase access to public transportation. In a little over two years, we've grown to nearly a $1.5 million organization. We have three full-time staff members who are dedicated to building relationships with nonprofit organizations and funders alike. We operate, I like to say, at the intersection of between what the community needs, what Indigo needs, and what funders wanna support.
0: That's great. I hope people do reach out to you after listening to this podcast. And Lacey, is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: Yes. So just in addition to what Emily shared, I think the biggest piece of opportunity that we got by forming this foundation was to truly find a platform to use where public-private partnerships can thrive in and around the transit sector. Just allowing there to be a place for the business community and those that support transit from an advocacy standpoint or even just as an employer to be able to have a hand in that and to make sure that those projects and that opportunity, accessibility uh, continues and grows. So that's a huge piece of um, kind of what we've been focused on and what we've been able to kind of monopolize on as we've formed and grown this foundation.
0: Brilliant. Thank you both for outlining um, some of the things that the foundation is currently focusing on, as well as um, providing us with some insight into the goals and what the foundation hopes to achieve for its communities. As you've mentioned, the foundation strives to make public transport services more accessible for the city's residents. So Emily, what are some of the things that the Indigo Foundation is doing to make public transportation more accessible and equitable for people across Indianapolis? Sure.
2: Um, So Indianapolis is a very car-dependent city, but about 9% of households do not own a vehicle. And so poor access to public transportation is why there was a 2015 Harvard study that ranked Indianapolis among one of the most challenging cities to escape poverty or to become more self-sufficient. So the foundation has focused on two primary ways to increase access. The first is through affordability. Um, We do that with um, bus pass grants to nonprofit organizations. So we give free bus passes there. We support the discounts and the programs that Indigo already offers, like free rides for veterans and discounts for seniors and students. Um, And we also support other ways that Um, may get more people to ride. So the first side that I just mentioned is the financial access and affordability. The second side um, that we've been working on is physical access to bus stops. So um, when the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed in the 90s, um, there were some strides made to make bus stops um, ADA accessible, but not all bus stops, actually a lot of them in Indianapolis are not accessible for people um, in wheelchairs or different mobility needs. And so um, we're working alongside Indigo, you know, they put probably a million dollars a year towards funding um, bus stop accessibility, but um, it's not enough. And so we're raising private funds to just make that process go a little bit faster and work on getting all of our bus stops ADA accessible, meaning having connecting sidewalks and the boarding pad um, so that everybody has an opportunity to uh, ride. So those are the two main areas we've worked on accessibility.
0: Well, you certainly have a lot going on at the foundation at the moment. So thank you for sharing all those projects and initiatives with us. And also thank you for taking the time to address the work that you're doing to improve the physical accessibility of public transport services. Of course, improving access to transport not only involves the financial aspect of making fares more affordable, but also the physical aspect of making sure that these services are suitable for the more vulnerable members of our communities. So it's really great to see the work that you're doing to make bus stops ADA accessible. Remaining on the topic of the financial accessibility of transport services, Lacey, do you think it's important to make public transportation more affordable? And if so, why?
1: We absolutely do. We believe access to public transportation is a right, just like access to clean water and electricity. We're seeking to provide an opportunity to Allow more people to access transportation. It's our greatest tool for equity, and it can be more affordable than other modes of transportation. But it's not within reach for everyone. It's also something to consider that if you're new uh, in a in a in a job and you don't have reliable transportation, it's going to take a while for you to get to a point where you have been able to build up enough funds to afford your transport to and from work, and then. Likewise, to and from the grocery store and other things that you might need to do in order to keep a, a regular and dependable schedule. So allowing to uh, allowing the foundation to basically be a force multiplier to what uh, a lot of employers are starting to understand is that they need to be able to provide their workers with transportation. We can assist in that by allowing them to apply for those bus pass grants. We can accelerate that um, opportunity for those employers to extend you know longer than a week longer than a day a month where they can then build up those funds and um, you know get to a place where they can start depending on the funds and depending on that mode of transportation. I think overall too we want to make sure that access to transportation, is available to everyone who would need it. But on top of that, it's those that would choose it as well. Because transportation and, and mass transit is a very viable way to move about a, a city a community. And we need to make sure that it's, it's the type of system that everyone is able to get on and, and choose, not just be dependent on a car.
0: Yes, no, I completely agree. And I think this is also heavily reflected in many of the grants that the foundation has already awarded um, many organisations over the years. I know that the Indigo Foundation has recently awarded I think it was at over twenty seven thousand bus passes to local non profit organisations. So I just wanted to sort of understand what contribution you both think grants such as this have in encouraging public transport use across the city. Um, Lacey, if I could maybe come back to you for this first, please. And um, what are your thoughts here?
1: Yes, absolutely. This bus pass grant or the uh, mobility access fund is really one of the first programs that we launched because we could see the need based on those employers and agencies that had already been reaching out to Indigo to access discounted or free bus passes in order to allow for uh, the expansion of that opportunity, we were able to partner with um, an employer here, at PNC, and their foundation. They were able to then be able to provide the funds so that we could give out twenty seven thousand bus passes to seventy nine nonprofit organizations. They applied. They were able to. We were able to give out as many bus passes as we could, and this then guarantees that they can provide those to their clients. We see organizations also using this opportunity to start budgeting, to purchase more passes along the way. So it's not just kind of allowing for this uh, opportunity of access, but it's also getting everyone in the mindset of, this is this is a solution-based um, focus. We need to be able to realize that people are going to need to ride transit. We need to make sure they're comfortable with it. We need to make sure that they can, depend on it. And so that type of culture shift is also a really uh, key focus of this type of program.
0: That's really great. Thank you for sharing. And Emily, is there anything else um, you'd like to add to Lacey's points there?
2: I think one thing we've learned over the past two years of doing these bus pass grants is our initial thoughts and the, the types of passes that were handed out in previous years um, before the foundation started were usually one day passes And, and so nonprofit organizations would sort of hoard them and give them out to individuals like, well, okay, we'll, we'll give you three passes or we'll give you four. Um, but they were, holding on to them. And so we're trying to shift the mindset within nonprofits of more of a place of abundance. Like, tell us how many you need. Like, what do your, we want to understand what the actual need is in the community. And if you don't ask us for everything that you possibly need, we're not going to know. And part of that learning process for us is that, is the realization that if you need a bus pass or an individual needs a bus pass for one or two days, they likely need it for much longer than that. And so we're working on um, kind of shifting away from let's not just give people one day. Let's give them a week. Let's give them a month. We even have a pilot program um, that we're starting this year um, that's focused on workforce development. So we've partnered with some organizations that help individuals uh, stay employed. And so we're trying to answer the question with this pilot program is, if we provide people with three months of bus passes, um, so reducing that financial barrier to transportation for the three months, will they? Uh, will we see job retention increase? Will people be able to stay in their jobs longer because they don't have to worry about transportation? So I'm excited to see um, what we learn from that program this year um, going forward.
0: Oh, I'm getting excited too now. I hope um, we can have some access to your findings as well, hopefully in the near future. And on that note, as I'm sure we're all aware, in recent years, especially amidst the cost of living crisis, there's been a lot of debate about whether or not public transport services should be fully fare free. So what are your thoughts on this, Emily?
2: So as far as fare free goes, um, I am not the one running the transit agency, so I don't pretend to understand all the factors that go into going fare free. But from the perspective of I've been working in nonprofit organizations and the community for over 20 years. So speaking of the what the nonprofit sector would want, um, and in my role here at the Indigo Foundation, fare-free would have a tremendous impact on the community and the nonprofit se- sector. I'd love to see public transportation provided for free, like other services are, like parks and libraries. But I'm a realist and realize that would require a massive shift for how transit agencies are funded, at at least in our community, in our state. What I do think is more uh, within reach for us in Indianapolis may be developing an income-based fare assistance program for individuals with the highest needs. It's great that we have the Indigo Foundation to fundraise and distribute thousands of free bus passes, but the system um, that we're in now isn't perfect. Um, even with our current system of distributing passes to nonprofit organizations, it puts a lot of the burden on nonprofit organizations whose mission likely has nothing to do with transportation. They want to get people into jobs or give them food or get them through school. Uh, the bus passes are a means to an end, um, but it's not their primary focus and in their, in their primary mission. Plus, the individuals who are in need need have to be willing um, to, and it's humbling to seek help at a nonprofit, figure out a way to get themselves to that nonprofit, hope that the organization they select has bus passes and that they as an individual uh, qualify to receive them. Um, so it's a it's a kind of a messy and process. It's better than not having bus passes, but not perfect. Um, but one of our biggest supporters is an organization that we don't serve. Uh, We don't serve them because their focus is on veterans. And several years ago, Indigo started letting veterans ride free. So by doing that, this one nonprofit agency has saved over $80,000 a year by not having to pay for veterans' um, transportation. And so that's $80,000 that they can put towards housing or other services for veterans. I also think about all the time and energy that these 79 organizations are going through um, to apply for the passes. We try to make it easy for them, but it's still an added burden. And then they have to distribute them. If we could just eliminate that, um, you know, they'd be able to focus on whatever their, their mission is and um, increase that impact. So anyways, uh, I would love to see some kind of assistance for those most vulnerable individuals because that's who is most likely getting our free bus passes. And I think um, having that available would impact the entire nonprofit sector in the community at large, if we could address something for these individuals with the highest need.
1: I would just add to that, going back to the public-private partnership opportunity that we have by having this foundation in existence. I think that's the biggest piece here is that while fair free is definitely, it requires a lot more um, decision-making and considerations. I think just being able to minimize the burden uh, in, in multiple areas by bringing in contributions that are being made by those that are really benefiting from access to transportation, whether it's themselves and the corporate office or it's their, uh, it's their employers that are employees, I'm sorry, that are ultimately benefiting by showing up to work on time, being able to uh, show up every single day if they're able to rely on transportation. We can accelerate opportunity by marrying the public-private funds and and putting them in the right direction so that we can take down some of that burden but also just open up the door to opportunity and i think that's really the case statement that we can make with our uh, organization in the business community is this is an all-in we're all might not be directly responsible for the transit agency but we benefit from it and there is so much more that we can do when we're cooperating together
0: that's a really interesting way to look at it. I really appreciate the realistic perspective that you've both added to your answers. And I guess that's what it is. It's just a matter of focusing more on the vulnerable people and helping them have access to these transport opportunities. It's been really fantastic to hear both your thoughts on the significance of making public transport services more affordable and accessible for the people of Indianapolis. So thank you for sharing your insight into that. But now I was hoping that we could maybe shift our discussion to start thinking more about the future of the organization. So Emily, what future projects are currently in development at the Indigo Foundation um, to improve access to public transport services? Sure. So, I mentioned
2: earlier the workforce development pilot we're working on. A focus for us this year is really um, building our capacity as an organization. We're realizing, um, you know, Indigo serves millions of people a year. The types of grants that we can go for are are very large. Um, If we were to make all bus stops in Indianapolis ADA accessible, that's $40 million a year. The Size of an organization to support something like that is much larger than the 1.5 million we're at right now. So for this year, our focus is really growing us as an organization and realizing that it does take a, a fully fledged nonprofit organization to be able to support transit, um, and that there are plenty of opportunities for us to keep growing. So um, that's exciting for us to to grow as an organization, also to see. Um, how many bus stops, you know, we can make more ADA accessible and keep that piece of it growing. There's so many more things too that we can get, stick our noses in, if you will. Um, An example is um, at the transit center. So half of Indigo's, um, all their routes go through the central transit center, which is in downtown Indianapolis. And so it's a great place to capture all of our riders or get a lot of riders there and provide them services. Uh, We assisted Indigo last year, starting a pilot program with a local health clinic called Genesaret, and they're providing a mobile health clinic at the Transit Center. Um, And it's seen such success that we just, or they just announced that it's um, continuing every week. Um, I think it's on Tuesday afternoons that individuals can receive health services at the Transit Center. So for my nonprofit community serving mindset, I'd love to see what else we can do at the Transit Center. Um, do these individuals need financial services, or uh, maybe it's legal services? What are the things can we bring to Indigo Riders? Um, and get creative because we're really just starting to scratch the surface of what we can do as an organization. All the while building us or as an organization and providing a, a reliable funding stream to Indigo. My dream for Indigo is that you know I think COVID taught everybody that anything can and will happen. And we don't ever want Indigo to be faced with the challenge of, or you know, a budget challenges year where, oh, we might have to stop offering veterans the free rides um, or not giving students a discount. We wanna provide a reliable funding stream for Indigo. So that's not even something they have to worry about,
0: um, that they can just continue to provide those. It's so great to see the um, vast amount of projects that you're already working on, but to see that there's more that you'd like to do So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Lacey, is there anything else that you're looking forward to project-wise?
1: Absolutely. Emily has the mindset of that community-based organization building this nonprofit from the ground up. I just see so much opportunity in um, being able to become more aware. I need I need the community to become more aware of, of the Indigo Foundation, but also aware of the opportunities that the transit agency provides. I also want to really focus on the culture shift. I think we uh, mentioned already, we are a very car-centric community. We're somewhat uh, less dense than you might see other major um, metropolitan areas uh, around us here in the country. And I think it's, it's not only unlocking opportunities for people to get on transportation and get t- from A to B, but it's also unlocking a lot of opportunities for everyone to better themselves economically. Uh, transit projects like the ones that we are um, unrolling here and that the foundation is, is helping to support are also allowing for development along those transit lines which include housing that's attainable for for people at multiple income levels. It's also allowing for people to have access to better health care and groceries and education. There's an economic mobility piece here that I really just can't wait to see some of those results, but then also to to show employers how much of a a benefit that is. And then that continued partnership will grow. The other piece of this is that we've worked really hard in this area, for honestly, for several years just to get dedicated funding stream for Marion County. This is where Indianapolis is and Indigo Transit uh, just to get a dedicated funding stream was so many years of work. Being able to then have that start building out a project, we've got to have that consistent funding and consistent wraparound service that we can provide through the foundation. Um, It's critical to be able to continue on in all of this project unveiling and then also just getting people to the bus. The infrastructure alone is just top dollar price tags. And it is extremely important that we continue along uh, that pathway as well. So, I mean, opportunities are endless. We have to be really wise about how we, uh, what we choose to focus on so that we can be very, um, diligent with those funds, but also just kind of keep an open mind as well It's just allowed for so much creativity, um, by standing up this foundation. So I'm just, I'm really excited. I'm excited about the team that has been pulled together by Emily and, and just all of the partnerships that we've already created.
0: That's great to hear, thank you. There's certainly a lot to look forward to from both the foundation and Indigo Transit, so I'll be keeping an eye out. But I love the fact that you're both sort of focused on that cultural shift and more of the social aspect. It's really nice to emcee. As we come to the end of the podcast episode today, I wanted to stay on the theme of the future by asking you both what your hopes are For the future of the indigo foundation emily if i could please come back to you first for this one
2: sure um my hope in other than you know growing and supporting the individuals in indianapolis um that that need services and helping to shift indianapolis to be more transit focused um other than that um I hope that our foundation helps to show other transit agencies and encourage them to get creative with funding and consider adding a foundation. I hope we also help funders understand that um, funding transit agencies is something that they can and should be doing. Um, we often see grant applications where we the work that we're doing fits exactly what they're describing. And then when I come to them and say, Yeah, we're a 501c3 nonprofit that's supporting a municipal corporation, Indigo, the the transit agency, they're like, Well, we don't give money to the government. I'm like, but you're not giving money to the government. You're giving money to this nonprofit who's supporting and making uh, the the transit more accessible. So we will continue knocking on doors of funders and having those challenging conversations with them and asking them to really rethink about how they think about transit. Um, It is a public good. It is something that enhances access to everything. When I first started here, I was really struck by, and and I think what inspired me for this job is working in the nonprofit world. Um, I I have a lot of background in performing arts or um, museums and other cultural types of institutions, where you have a certain type of funder that you go for with, uh, because they're interested in education or interested in certain things. With transit, we connect to everything. We connect to food and education and jobs and healthcare. And so no matter what a funder's interests are, we have a way and a story um, to get to them. So I hope that we will blaze the trail, but that other transit agencies follow behind us um, and start getting creative with how their funding can be done.
0: Yeah, Indigo is certainly paving the way for other transit agencies to follow. And um, Lacey, is there anything else um, you'd like to add to that? Yes, absolutely. I think I would
1: echo what Emily said about what the future holds. I we absolutely would love to have some peers in this in this sector and uh, be happy to talk with anybody about what that looks like. But I think the other piece that I'm really focused on is is the opportunity to just expand uh, connecting people. We, We have to be able to focus on the fact that there is inequity throughout the country, throughout the world. And some of these solutions that we're talking about are quite simple, but we have to have a dedicated focus to make sure that mobility is equitable and inclusive. It's just crucial that as we move forward with any of this, if any of this work, that we continue to remind ourselves of that need and that we are we're doing life-changing work. You might not think about that when you think of a bus or, you know, um, a mass transit in general. But the reality is, is it's connecting people and it's connecting people to the things that they need. And I think that's really crucial. I don't want us to ever lose sight of, of that mission and that focus. And I know that Indigo partners with us in that um, in that thought, and I think that's been just one of the biggest uh, opportunities that we've all seen. Is that we're coming together on so many things here um, and providing services and, and healthcare and access to healthy food. This is this is a game changer for our community, and um, I just can't wait to see kind of what what comes next and what happens next. So it's just uh, it's full steam ahead, in, in order for us to kind of expand upon the reach, um, I guess one other thing I would say is I'm a, a more regional mind at times too, and I, I would love for transit access to expand beyond just Indianapolis, and that we can we can show the rest of the communities that surround us what the benefit is and and how important it is. Everybody is having workforce issues and getting employees to work this is one of the biggest uh, opportunities to, to solve one of those very, very large problems in our region.
0: Brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. Finally, to bring our episode to a close today, are there any final notes that you'd both like to share with our listeners about the Indigo Foundation and its role in improving access to public transportation in Indianapolis?
2: I think we've covered it all. Um, I'm right, just excited that I think the foundation can set this national standard and what private, public-private partnerships for transit look like, um, setting a standard for how to get um, companies to sponsor your assets, to sponsor buses and lines and and things like that. So um, there's right, lots of opportunities for us, and um, I'm excited to share what we learned with the rest of the uh, the Whole transit infrastructure and the whole transit culture.
0: That's great. I think it sums it up pretty nicely. And um, thank you for that. Sadly, that is all that we have time for today. Emily and Lacey, thank you both so much for taking the time to join me for this episode and for sharing your thoughts with our audience. Improving access to public transportation is such a key focus for the industry. And it's been really enlightening to see all the work that you've been doing to enhance the financial and physical accessibility of transport services for the people of Indianapolis. So thank you once again um, for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Before we go, um, a quick note to our listeners. I hope that you all enjoyed today's episode. If you're keen to hear more about other key topics from within the transport industry, then please do... make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on our future episodes as we have plenty more exciting discussions in store for you. You can listen to every episode of our podcast, both past and future on our website, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as any other platform that you usually listen on. On behalf of myself and both Emily and Lacey, thank you all for your time and for listening to us today. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.